Hey, it's Chaz Mostert here, and yes, I'm inside your speaker. I'm in here because I have a special message for you from Clayton in Melbourne. If you're a club, state, or national racer on the circuit or on the dirt in Speedway or rallying, you can now tap into the know-how of Walkinshaw Racing Services, and you don't need a supercar to get in the door. The same expertise that's won multiple Bathurst 1000s and V8 Supercar Championships is now available for you to call upon. From bonnet to bumper, WRS can help you with engines, design, paint, machining, fabrication, and so much more for all sorts of makes, models, and categories. Have a chat with Walkinshaw Racing Services and tell them what matters to you. Call now on 1300 WRacing or email services at walkinshawracing.com.au. A Motorsport Podcast Network production. Hello there, my name is Andrew Van Leeuwen and I'd like to give you the warmest of welcomes to the very first episode of the Castrol Motorsport News Podcast. This is the Collector's Edition, number one. And it's pretty exciting. It's exciting for me. It's probably confusing for you if you're uh, just tuning in for the first time, which of course you are, because it's the first one. To help me explain what on earth is actually going on, I'm going to get straight to our first ever guest on the Castrol Motorsport News podcast, the sleuth himself, the V8 sleuth, Aaron Noonan. Noons, how the bloody hell are you? AVL, I'm very good. I'd be all the better to be in the same room and state as you, but your uh, your premier in, in WA is uh, working very hard on making you a, a country for yourself for the future, which it would seem. So hopefully we do get to see you in person somewhere sometime in the next millennium. But uh, yeah, this is an exciting day. Exciting day. I, for one, welcome our new uh, our new People's Republic overlord over here. We used to have the rabbit-proof fence, and now we've got the uh, eastern status-proof fence <laughs> halfway across the Nullarbor. One day we'll get back to a uh, we'll get back to a racetrack. I'm sure I'll get back to a racetrack. Anyway, carry on. Sorry. So uh, the the premise of this is we are launching some history today. You said collector's edition. Mm-hmm. This is framed, mm-hmm. gold plated, limited edition, all that stuff. So. This is new. This is bringing back an old favourite, though. And, and you and I have got great history with Motorsport News, which is a masthead that I was able to acquire very recently. And a lot of people have been asking, what are we doing with it? What are, we, what are you up to? What's going on? Well, this is the first phase. Brand new podcast for motorsport fans covering the sport in Australia and overseas. Obviously, this is separate to the V8 Sleuth podcast. Uh, you're going to steer the ship on this one, or this is, this is on your head, mate. This is on your head, but oh, you'll be wow. fine. You'll be fine. No stress. <laughs> no pressure. It'll be good. But this was a way to bring back an old favourite in a new format, in a new form. The world's changed a lot, as you well know, in, in digital and in media since Motorsport News wound up as a, a print magazine back in 2014 and uh, as an e-news magazine as it was around the time a few years earlier. So we've taken an old favourite, we've put a new coat of paint on it and uh, brought it back in a new format and style as the first of a few different uh, iterations that we're going to bring it to the fans uh, coming out. So these podcasts uh, are going to be hosted by your good self as part of the Motorsport Podcast Network uh, pretty much every week or whenever there's news. We don't want to fill airtime when there's nothing to really talk about. But I've got a feeling over the course of the remainder of this year and into next year, given where we're coming from COVID and and everything that's been going on, there's going to be plenty of news, not just in Australia, not just supercars, plenty of other categories, 
F1, MotoGP, IndyCar, we've got so much involvement with Aussies and Kiwis on the world stage at the moment doing great things. There's there's a lot to talk about. So it's an exciting time to start up a new podcast and to, to bring back an old an old favourite in, in MN that I know so many people used to read every fortnight from the news agents and then online when it went to the, the e-news format. So this is a, a new way and a new era and a new style for, for an old favourite. It is, and I'm and I'm glad you brought it back because, like, you sort of reference motorsport news means a lot to both of us and to lots of other people in the media, not just the readers, but you know, it gave so many of us our start. And I have to say, you know, the the old days of working in the Depean Highway office were some of the absolute best of my life. It was just, it was just about as as fun as an office environment could ever be. You know, back in some of the days where you used to come and go, you had a sort of a yearly coming and going from <laughs> motorsport news back then. And you know, Grant Rowley was there, and Phil Brannigan, Mitchell Adam. Yeah, I think I've got the world record for the most times in and out of the motorsport news lineup. Uh, but uh, you're right, it gave me my start. That's why it's special to my heart. I know it's special to your heart. And, and a lot of great people who – and I think it's it's probably good timing to uh, – you know, the magazine started in 1993, which is, you know, quite a while ago now, um, with four partners, David Hassel, Chris Lambden, Tony Glynn, and Bruce Williams. So, so many of those guys had worked at Auto Action in the years gone by got together, pulled their resources, made this magazine at a time when I don't think many people thought there was room for another magazine. Very quickly, they attracted an offer to buy them out from their rivals, which didn't happen, and they pressed on, and, and some of the other partners moved on, and, and Chris ended up being the, the only one a bit later on in the process. But, yeah, as you said, think of the people who've been through the joint over the years, yourself, myself, Grant Rowley, who's now doing all, all sorts of things in the, the motorsport media, Chris Jordan's the head of PR at Porsche Cars Australia, mm. served overseas yep. and had a role with Nissan and, and the like over the years. So there's Mitchell Adam you mentioned before who's not in the sport anymore but it's done a lot of amazing things over the time. Uh, it's been a launching pad and they gave so many young guys an opportunity and, and that's one of the things that we'll do with MN moving forward in a bunch of different ways is is give opportunity and, and give a, a play. Everyone's got to start somewhere and whether it's you know club racing or uh, national sort of level of racing or uh, the, the lower rungs, uh, there's plenty of amazing grassroots motorsport out there that I think people will need to uh, to know a bit more about, and that's going to be part of the charter uh, moving forward as well. So not just giving young people opportunity, but taking a look at the the whole realm. That's why it's motorsport news. It's not supercars news. Supercars is a big part of it, massive part of it, but we've got uh, our eyes and our ears on all sorts of corners of the sport. That's for sure. No, absolutely. And now let's talk about supercars news forever because it's been so much of it in the last week. I can't believe what's been going on. It's been a uh, – my little fingers have just been bashing away on the keyboard since I uh, since 6 a.m. Monday morning, which is 3 a.m. Monday morning over here in Perth. Uh, thank you very much. But, um, yeah, look, absolutely heaps going on in the sport. Our headline news today is obviously that the, uh, the sale of supercars has finally been formalised. It's been – we've been dancing around it and sort of, you know, chasing it for most of this year pretty much. But, you know, today Archer Capital announced that it has sold its majority stake uh, to Race, which is Racing Australia Consolidated Enterprises. Now, according to the announcement, Race is led by Barclay Nettlefold. He's the global CEO of of TGI Sport, which includes TLA Worldwide here in Oz. Uh, People would have heard lots of references to the TLA bid or the TLA ARG joint bid, you know, in the latter stages of, of the supercar sale process. So, you know, race is what has effectively been built out of that. Um, the announcement also names yeah, ARG and Henslow. Now, Henslow is a finance firm that's been involved in the recent 
sort of unpublicised uh, capital raise for the purchase of the series that, that raised about another $25 million. There's a few sort of unanswered questions. I guess I referenced that in my news story as a skeleton announcement. There was no mention of TLA itself or TGI um, in the announcement. There was no mention of the 35% stake uh, that is owned currently owned by the teams that race will be taking over. Um, that is going ahead from the, the team bosses that I spoke with all said, yep, no, no, there's no problems there. It's kind of weird that it's not being announced. But this announcement was led very much on the on the race side of things and, and sort of just that one reference of, of Barclay Nettlefold. Was that a little strange, do you reckon, Noons? Oh, I think this is more a statement AVL from, from Archer. Of course, they are the, the majority mm. shareholder at the moment of supercars. So this is kind of – it's almost like you, you've got to put the – um, you've got to hit the ball in the right order here. So Archer are selling, so they're telling the world that they're selling and who to. I guess it's up to the who to to then um, go through how they want to confirm their whether it's the shareholdings or how it's all going to work. So there's probably a multifaceted rollout here that we're going to see here. So it's very much a skeleton announcement this morning with not much meat on the bones really, but there's kind of nothing in it that we didn't know. The lack of mention of TLA... That, that's nothing to worry about. They're involved. There's no doubt about it as per all the, the reports in the lead-up. Nothing's changed there. I'd say that's maybe just a little oversight or um, they just didn't want to confuse because the, the whole supercar sale process has, in effect, been an acronym Grand Prix because there's that many acronyms going around. You'd probably oh, yeah. need a whiteboard yep. to stop there and write it all out and TLA and TGI <laughs> and race and ARG. And uh, if you haven't got an acronym, you're not part of the Cool Kids Club. So there's mm. a bit to, uh, to unpack. And I, I would say that, it will make sense when the teams um, have a formal announcement, I guess, at a race meeting with a press conference and um, those final pieces of that puzzle can get clicked into place. But as you mentioned, nothing's changing in that regard. The teams are selling their stake in the sport. The thing I think will happen here that people haven't probably pondered yet, and you mentioned before about Henslow. So they've been out there beating the drum for further investment and from all reports of uh, received investment from some very interesting and um, very successful people in various elements of, of business. And some of them have had motorsport connection over the years and some of them haven't at all. Um, but I think the ironic thing of this is with the team selling their uh, share of the business, that you're probably going to see that there are more shareholders overall in the whole business now uh, moving forward. So you've kind of got the the Rogers and the Boyds with ARG. You've got um, the TLA element and Barclay Netterfold and uh, you, you've got all these pieces of the puzzle and then whoever – um, Henslow have been out selling chunks too uh, along the way. So there's multiple people there. So there's probably a lot of little one percenters and two percenters in terms of the way that this whole thing will get put together. So we'll probably end up seeing um, more people uh, involved as, as shareholders in the business than what we've seen with what the 10, 11 uh, team owners that currently have uh, what have been known as racing entitlements contracts. So it's going to be an interesting thing to unpack when all of those things get revealed over the course of time and we'll keep our eyes and ears open to who that is. But there's really nothing today that's come through that hasn't already been uh, reported in in the lead-up. This is just the the confirmation. Uh, and they've actually said that the, the transition of the shareholding will be done by the end of this year 
and, and race is starting to engage in planning for 2022 with Archer and, and the current management. So that brings the question of all sorts of things that flow from there. Does Sean Seymour stay on? Is there additional management changes? Uh, right now, they've just got to finish off this championship with these last four rounds at Sydney and get Bathurst done and dusted and everyone can have a bit of a break and then start with a, a new fresh sheet next year. But I'm sure going into it, the ownership group's got a pretty good idea of what they want to have happen in terms of management changes in the short term, medium term and, and the long term down the line too. Yeah, I think so. And I think, uh, well, firstly, I want to know, Nunes, how much did you buy? Surely you've got a, you, you've got, you're involved with just about everything in Australian motorsport. I assume that you've, uh, you've purchased just a little slice for yourself. Well, Come we're going to, we're going to rename it the Sleuth Supercars Championship. So, uh, oh, no, no, no I, I can confirm I do not have a stakeholding. I have not got, yeah, no, I've got enough going on the plate right now. No, that's very true. I think, yeah, we're going to see a fair bit play out. Obviously, there'll need to be, like you say, there's going to be a lot of shareholders. There'll be, I guess, maybe this is the beginning of kind of a streamlining process. You know, you don't need to mention every single person who part owns a business because you could look at any business in the world, and that's obviously a very complicated picture. Um, I agree there wasn't a whole lot more to take out of it today than we already know, apart from the fact, yeah, no mention of the of, of the team stake. That's definitely happening. We knew that was happening. Nothing really has changed. Some fairly interesting use of the word exclusive being bandied around this morning around that. But um, based on what, you know, I, I uh, there was a report from Mark Fogarty last week that sort of mentioned that, that teams are going to get somewhere around 650 grand per entry per year over the next five years as part of giving up their stake in the business plus 450 grand um, per car to switch over to Gen 3. So is that a good move for the teams, do you think, to move to a sort of fixed income system that maybe has some sort of dividend um, bonus at the end of it as opposed to sort of trying to work to a stake? I think it is from a personal perspective because one of the major criticisms over time has been when the teams, and remember that the teams owned a bigger stake before the the buy-in from Mm. Archer, uh, which is one of the great elements of it. If you've got a shareholding, then you're going to reap the, the rewards of things going well. But obviously things didn't go well for some time. And I think Archer probably need far more credit than they've been given over the journey here. They, they let more money back to the teams than they originally had to to make sure that the whole thing kept on uh, keeping on. Sounds, I think that line's been used somewhere before over the years just quietly. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's um, yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I yeah, oh, there's so many, so many elements that that pop up into this. So it's um, yeah, it, 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 we'll see. Swimming, there's a lot to play out. Yeah, there, there is there's, there's there's a lot, lot to play out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, what I want to see at some point, and and I and I, you sort of mentioned it before, let's have a press conference with these people that are going to be involved ahead of you know above just the the, the senior management of the sport. Let's try and make it a little less faceless because that's definitely what it's been particularly for the last 10 years you know it would be it would be nice to sort of get a look at how things are going to work tla has a lot of marketing clout you know let's use it and let's try and sort of build a better picture not over not an over complicated picture but a better picture for the fans of who owns their sport um i think that can sort of help with with engagement which has to be the next step you know of of growing the business engaging new fans and and all that sort of stuff so uh, yeah it's It'll be an interesting few months to see how that plays out. You know, what role they're going to have in Gen 3. I think we've already seen a little bit of the Gen 3 influence from race. You know, I think that the fact this delay has been sort of 2023 has been timed with the ownership change is not really a um, is not really a coincidence. There's a lot of talk now that paddle shift may be heading out the door, which would be 
excellent in, from, in my opinion. Uh, but that's a whole – we can do a whole episode on that one day if we want to. Um, but anyway, yeah, a fair bit to play out. Hey, let's have a chat about some driver's announcements because it was um, – it was a crazy, crazy uh, week for the silly season. We'll just sort of quickly run through uh, chronologically. Uh, Cam Waters locked in at Tickford Racing. It's not overly surprising, you know, in itself, um, but it's a new multi-year deal. How good are multi-year deals? Everyone's on a multi-year deal. I hope I'm on a multi-year deal for this podcast, Noons. I want to be one of. I've got an acronym. Most people call me AVL, so I'm I'm partially into the cool kids. Uh, Cool Kids Club there, but I need a multi-year deal to really be cool. So, um, yeah, multi-year deal. It locks him in at at Tickford for the years to come. Um, Let's have a quick listen to what Cam had to say about it. Obviously, the goal is to win a championship and to win Bathurst. So, this year, there's still a fair bit to play for. Championship's not over. You know, Bathurst is still to come. And, uh, you know, going forward, it's what it's all about. So, we're going to keep putting our best foot forward, keep trying to improve, and we're going after those uh, two big prizes. Noons, Cam says he wants to win a title. Can Tickford deliver it for him? Hard bet, but I think that's the best place for him to be because you can be the big dog. You've got you've got to have be the big dog in a place rather than be one of the two big dogs. So clearly, I'm always interested to know: was he on the radar for Triple Eight? Did they try to get Surely. him? Did they try to get a deal going here? But the reality was, Surely. he had a contract, he had a deal, and they've re-rolled that over. So. This deal's been done for some time with Cam Waters. They've just waited a bit longer to, to roll it on out. So he's clearly the guy who's leading that team. He's getting the results. He's been on that upward trajectory. Runner-up in the championship last year, runner-up at Bathurst. Uh, you know, new platform coming that kind of might shake it up just a little bit in the next uh, year or so. Uh, can he win a title? Look, that's really, really hard. But I, I think of the ones who aren't winning the titles, i.e. not Triple Eight, I think... Mostard at Walkinshaws and Waters at Tickford are a better chance at the moment of where it's all projecting than, say, Di Pasquale at DJR. I think that's – but this whole change to the car will really mix it all back up again. But, you yeah. know, DJR is getting its wheels back going again. It's been de Penske'd, two new drivers trying to find their way and get themselves going. They've been, you know, speedy on occasion, but they haven't been, you know, punching out piles of wins. The McLaughlin era is over. It's a new new time there. So – for Waters, yeah, I think he can. I think he can because right in among all that Triple Eight domination, Frosty got a championship. And, and mm-hmm. they got that FGX yeah. going right and they punched enough results on the board early in the year. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. So we get a whole new car platform soon. That might just mix it all up to, to take a team that is there or thereabouts to do it enough on more days than not to be able to get a championship done. So I, I wouldn't be shocked if Cam Waters is a supercar champion the next couple of years, no doubt. I, I, I think so as well. You know, I, I find it impossible to believe that in this whole process of replacing Jamie Winkup, Triple Eight didn't look at Cam as, you know, because he has become one of the absolute A-grade drivers in, in the category. Um, and I can't believe that he wouldn't have looked at Triple Eight because you'd be mad not to at least entertain that. And, you know, contract options are great, but if you really try hard enough, there's some fairly recent <laughs> evidence that, you know, you can get things done if you really need to. So I doubt it was as simple as he chose Tickford over Triple Eight or Triple Eight chose Brock Feeney over him or whatever. It's obviously a complicated series of things that goes into these decisions. But I still think it's a sort of career line in the sand moment. You know, I think this is Cam committing or it's it's Cam pinning his title hopes on Tickford. And I agree, they can deliver it. It's not as sure a bet as 
other places would be, but not a bad place for him to be at all. All the, the funny thing is, so I wrote a, I wrote a um, an analysis about um, Tickford re-signing James Courtney recently, and you know I spoke to Tim Edwards and I spoke to James Courtney, and they both independently talked about how important the actual lineup is to help Cam win a title. And even James Courtney was talking about Cam winning a title, not him winning a title. You know, he's not necessarily ruling out wanting to be a race winner and stuff, but he's sort of going, no, no, my job now as part of this Tickford lineup is to help Cam win a title. And the way I do that is by taking points off the blokes he's racing for the title. So it's my job to start, you know, grabbing poles, finishing on the podium to take points away from those guys. But it really seems like, you know, and and let's be honest, James Courtney hasn't always been known, rightly or wrongly, for playing with others overly well. He seems to have slotted in there in this team player role and is sitting there going, yeah, I can't wait to help Cam win a championship. And I'd take some like genuine satisfaction out of that. So maybe this kind of lineup that they're putting together, particularly at the top end of the of the Tickford lineup, you know, because Thomas Randall's going to need a bit of time to get up to speed in the main game, be very talented, but that's how it works. Um, Jake Kostecki, um, there's a lot of question marks. So he's shown some real, particularly in races, some some you know pretty good pace, um, particularly this year. So not writing him off by any stretch of the imagination. But you know the top end of their lineup is Cam and James, and it sort of feels like maybe there is the right dynamic to go and do some damage there. Yeah, and you mentioned it. Those two young guys aren't going to be a threat. Uh, Randall's going to need some time to find his feet. Yes, he's done some main game wild cards and some co driving and. He's won Super 2, but this is a whole new realm he's going to get himself into. Jake Kostecki, we're going to get a bit more of an idea on where he's really at, given now who mm-hmm. he's going up against. He's been, yep. obviously, at Matt Stone Racing. He and Zane Goddard are, are both uh, relatively inexperienced, and um, it's always hard to compare when that's all you've got to compare him next to is a fellow youngster. So he's going into a place that have got decent cars, very solid cars. And, and you're right. I think in Courtney, he's, he's a realist now at where he's at in his Mm. motor racing life. I mean, this is about making this go for as long as he can make it go. He's not going to be a regular race winner. He's not going to challenge for championships. He's been there and he's done it. Uh, you know, he, he's he's getting on a bit now. Not that he's old, not that he can't be there, he's not in that he good shouldn't form, be there. I'll get, he's in good form. You've got to say that. Oh, no, solid. Oh, yeah, he, he deserves his spot there. And the other thing that's really important to understand here is this whole Courtney Tickford deal, at the moment, as far as we're aware, Boost aren't involved in that. They haven't confirmed where they're going to be, what they're going to do next year. So it's not the, you know, um, Boost go in and Courtney's part of that. Courtney's with Tickford. That, that, that was a very clear distinction in that press release very recently yeah. that he is a Tickford driver. Fair chance Boost end up there in some way, shape or form on sure. his car or other cars yeah. or, or whatever it is. But um, that's an interesting distinction to make uh, that people might not have picked up on along the way. But, yeah, Cam Waters takes himself now out of the silly season. He's got some surety, and, and I would have thought, too, that he's asking price for Roland. I reckon Roland's getting Brock Feeney at Jamie Wincup 06 money, don't you reckon? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. And, look, a very good uh, a very good signing for Triple. I think it's, it is the right – it's good to see new talent coming into the sport, but I refuse to believe that at no point they – they sat down and didn't have a look at Cam Waters just because of the sort of form uh, that that he's in. So yeah, look, it's um, 
I think he's just sort of he's picked his colours, Cam. He's gone. This is where I'm gonna. This is where I'm gonna go and try and win a championship. And it's you know you mentioned Mostert. We'll get onto a bit of Walkinshaw stuff in a minute. But you mentioned Mostert there. I kind of like the idea of these drivers, not just you know Mostert could have easily, from what we sort of understand, could have at some point taken a Penske drive. You know when it was still Penske. Um, but he wanted to forge his own path, and we're sort of seeing Cam take some ownership of that Tickford seat and go, well, no, no, I started here. I want to try and win a title with these guys. I like it. It just grows the pool of guys that can win races and can win championships. And that's what kind of makes, that's what's going to make the the entertainment better when you've got more guys in potentially race and title winning seats, spreading that love around. If all the power ends up, you know, if the best teams have all the best drivers, then, you know, it kind of, uh, it's kind of not never going to be that exciting. So I think it's, I think it's, it's a good move. Bernie Eccleston was right. He always had a theory in Formula One. He wanted a star in each team. He didn't want them all loaded in to one or two teams. Exactly the same um, premise. But it's not just the drivers changing and uh, putting on new shirts for next year. A few engineers making some moves. Engineers, as well. silly season, reckon, mate. Yeah, there was there was a big one that that wheeled out recently that I don't think too many people saw coming. There's a very real chance that Shane Van Gisbergen wins the championship this year and his engineer is heading south uh, to another team and going to walk straight out the door. Yeah, it's um, I, I think that's obviously we're talking about David Couchy joining Kelly Grove Racing. Um, I was going to ask your thoughts on that. To me, you know, it's it's less about Couchy himself. You know, one person isn't necessarily a silver bullet. Not saying he won't have a massively positive impact on that team, but to me, it just shows the intent of Kelly of the Groves. They are not here to mess about. These blokes want to build a race-winning team, and they're prepared to go out. And there's been all sorts of stories flying about about other people they've tried to put. I think there, I don't know, there might have been a book called something like Negotiating in French sitting on uh, on Stephen Groves' uh, desk at some point. There's been lots of stories about other people they've spoken <laughs> to about trying to get to come down, uh, head south to um, to Brayside there. So, you know, to me, that's just the attempt. I actually spoke to Reynolds last week. We were just having a chat, and I said, mate, you know how to land on your feet. Like, you know, you went to Erebus when they were sort of not going too good, and then next thing you win a Bathurst and then you go to Kelly Grove Racing and suddenly there's this massive influx of investment and they're hiring the best people in the category and he was laughing going, I know, how good is it? You know, that, um, yeah, so they're kind of – it just shows that they want to go places. Yeah, and, and they've seen they've, – they've had exposure to Triple Eight through Brenton Grove Racing Super 2 there and being involved there. So they've seen how it should be done and what sort of level. So they're – they're under no illusion that they've they've got to do it properly. So, and for David Couchy, I mean, he's been at Triple Eight a very long time. Uh, Mark Dutton's really, you know, he's not going anywhere anytime soon, as far as we know. Mm-hmm. Jeremy Moore's back there now, so there's kind of also a glass ceiling for people on how far you can go within an organisation. And sometimes you've got to go elsewhere to be able to to step up into a another role. So, so that's what he's going to do. And Andrew Edwards. Uh, leaves Brad Jones Racing to go to Triple Eight in the off season as well. So, plenty of movement on people who wear helmets and people who wear headsets as well um, in the off yeah. season. We should skittle through, I guess, the rest of the the drivers of the who, what, why, when, mm. and where. Um, Percat and Forward, uh, we've seen a lot of this lately. Uh, drivers just swapping just swap. from one to the other and replacing yep. each other. Yep, they, um, they actually no, they wouldn't quite be able to uh, just swap suits because um, Perkett's pretty tall. I don't know if Bryce <laughs> if he'd fit into Bryce's. So I, I well look, uh, let's start quickly with Bryce. Um, to me, that is, you know, I think he's had a lean year, yes, but he is a Super Two champion from a couple of years ago. 
I think it's good to see our Super 2 champions in the sport getting a good shot. He had a pretty promising first year. This year's been a little leaner. Um, I feel like he deserves his spot in the main game for now. Um, and I think it's a really good pickup for BJR. I think it's quite a nice sort of synergy. He has that backing from middies. Again, that's not necessarily pay driver stuff. These are the commercial realities of professional motor racing. So he's a professional level driver who brings proper backing. That's just a win-win for a team. That just made, that that's you know that that's he's done the work to have that backer that's behind him. Um, I think it's going to save the BJR sign riders a bit of work because they generally trundle through about a 1,000 liveries a year, so they might actually be able to put one livery on the car and leave it on there for the year, which would be pretty handy. Do you agree? Good good move for all concerned? I think it's a win. Yeah, I think it's a win for both parties. I mean, in, in forward, you get a guy who's got a bit of experience now, has one in the junior category, uh, and, and I think he'll fit in at BJR quite well. I, I think that team has been very good for a lot of drivers, but a lot of drivers have been very good for that team. I think he's probably a, at the right point of his career where that's a good place for him to go. He's not going to be a, a supercars champion in the next couple of years. We know that, but we've seen enough from him. We've seen enough of what he's capable of. And as we've seen with those cars on their day, uh, capable of achieving some really handy results. But I think the bigger part of that whole swap around is Nick Perkett, which caught everyone off surprise oh, yeah. when he made the announcement about the BJR thing. Where he's gone to Walkinshaw and Jetty United, that's not a surprise. We all knew that that was going to be the key. But yeah. he's. this reminds me so much, in a way, of Van Gisbergen leaving what was going to become Erebus. It was messy. It wasn't nice. It wasn't mm-hmm. done the way that everyone would have wanted to be done. But it was all about the outcome. It was all about getting yeah. into a car, which then was techno, to create an opportunity to perform and achieve and look what has happened. For me, that's what Perkett's done here. He could have sat there and just kept along going at BJR the going home thing to Walkinshaw, I find really interesting because this was the place that shunned him multiple times mm-hmm. and, and yep. gave him no seat or, no, nah, sorry, no room at the inn or nah, you're not with us for the Enduros, go and drive with Delberto, brought him back. So I think that's that whole uh, arching overall theme is a bit interesting. Yes, he is going back home, but um, he's had a few times where they, they didn't bring him home when they probably could have, but now... The, yeah. the time sort of suited them. But uh, I feel that this is a bit like that Van Gisbergen situation where, you know, clearly a messy situation with Nick and Brad Jones, clearly awkward, clearly difficult. Uh, but it is about getting his bum into a car that is now going to be able to be moving forward, uh, a more capable race winning contending car more often. Look, I love it. Take out, take, I mean, yes, question marks over how it all played out with the contracts and all that sort of stuff. We'll never truly know the full picture of, of how that happened. Remove all of that. I love that he's done this. I think it would have been so easy for him to stay at BJR and to be the big dog and to just, you know, cruise around, always be the team leader, bank top tens in the championship year on year, no drama at all, the odd podium, hey, few wins here and there. But he's taken the hard road. I reckon he's taken what's the hard road. He's going to stick his head into Mostert's dent and hope it doesn't get bitten off even though it might you know like it's it's a massive test for him i can't wait to see how this plays out i cannot wait to see how this plays out i think it's going to be fascinating i and i'm not saying for a second that mostert's going to walk away with it either i reckon he's i reckon nick is up to the up to the test um but i just i really rate the fact he's given it a go because it would have been easy not to. So to me, that's that's just it's a fantastic move, and it just creates 
Oh, it's mouthwater. I can't wait to see those guys going at it next year. Who's your quick tip? Who comes out on top in 2022 out of Mostert and uh, Percat? Oh, Mostert. Yeah, I think Mostert does. Yeah, it, it'll take Nick a little it'll year or so to, to get up and rolling. But uh, they they fought really hard in the development series back in that golden year of 2012. There was an epic race at Bathurst where they went at it right at the end on the, the DVS race. And there was a few curlish comments in the press conference afterwards. But, uh, <laughs> you know, they've grown up a bit since then. But... It's really interesting, and we better keep zipping through it because we, um, we've yep. got so much to cover. But Walkinshaw and Andretti United are putting all the pieces together here, but they're missing a piece. They're still missing a piece. They don't have what other teams have, an on-the-ground leader, i.e., yes, they've got team management and Bruce Stewart and that kind of thing. They need a big dog. They've got Zach Brown, but he's over there. Michael Andretti's over there. Ryan Walkinshaw can't be here all the time. He's got other stuff to do in his world. They need to bring someone in. They need to get someone who can be that guy who or girl who is on the phone every week, who is fighting the political fights, who is taking that load off Bruce Stewart. He can go into the commercial world that is, is really where he's kind of from. They really need an on-the-ground person to be the on-the-ground team principal who can take charge of all of that stuff and really push their barrow all the time because they've built the train set now. They got they went and got Grant mm. McPherson. They're bring, bringing Percat back in. Um, you know, they've, they've got a good mix of people with experience and outside eyes from the old HRT days with the outside Walkinshaw. They're running out of um, bits to fill. They're, they've got most of the bits of the train set here, but I think that's the one that they probably need to find. So, Sounds like you're putting your hand up, Noons. Sounds, no, like, it sounds <laughs> like a job interview. <laughs> you're one minute you're buying supercars and now you're trying to run Walkinshaw and Andretti United. This, uh, no, no, no. I'm not putting my hand up. <laughs> I'm not putting my hand up, that's for sure. Um, Jack LeBrock. Finds a home, Matt Stone Racing. Yep. Uh, Todd Hazelwood finds a home, Matt Stone Racing. I think they Good make pickups. that, they make that team better because they've yep. had rookie drivers, they've given drivers opportunity, but now here's two guys who've been elsewhere and now are heading there to to bring that experience level up. So I think that's a that's a good step up for for both of those guys, uh, for, for that team with those guys. And then if, if LeBrock can't deliver there – He's probably toast because he's he's had his chance at Tickford and it didn't work out. We know that Techno wasn't the right situation, um, and now for Hazelwood too, he's sort of had a, a peak with BJR and it, it went down this year. Uh, he needs to bounce back next year. Both are coming off a year this year that hasn't been terribly flash, so they've got yeah. plenty to prove and yeah. probably got the the right opportunity to do it. Interesting little battle. I'm actually looking forward to seeing how that one plays out as well because I agree both have got a fair bit to play for in terms of proving that they long term, you know, are, are the real deal. So, um, yeah. A lot going on. Silly season just gets sillier every year. And I think we're pretty much done now, though. Are there any bombshells coming from left field that we have heard rumours of or that we expect anything? All the seats are just about no, filled. No, no, so. I think we're going to – a lot hinges on this super licence exemption for Matt Payne at KGR or Grove Racing, as it'll be. And then I think the uh, I think the rest of the BJR lineup is going to sort of fall as we would expect with Macker and, and Jack Smith there. So, no, I think we've pretty much got – our 2022 grid, barring any bombshell. And this year, who really knows? <laughs> Every lap in under a minute. Every move made to matter. Every decision impacting the outcome of the race. Supercars in Perth. Every second matters. Bosch Power Tools Perth Super Sprint, May 17 to 19. Book now at Ticketek. Supercars. 
unforgettable. All right, let's have a chat about what's happening outside of Australia. And boy, she's a uh, she's an F one title fight for the ages. Noons. Hey, very quickly, do you did you ever come to any? Speaking of Chris Lambden and Motorsport News, any of the uh, Lambden late night Grand Prix sessions with his massive satellite dish that he used to stream when it used to not be live in Australia, he used to stream it from Malaysia. Did you ever come to any of those nights? No, I, I didn't go to any of those, but I did go to the Charles Dickens Tavern. I think it was in the city. Oh yes, they used to do the yep. same thing with. I think it was Star Sports or something out of Asia somewhere that a whole pile – it's before you could get live Formula One uh, on commercial yeah. TV here. So uh, they'd beam it on a satellite and there'd be hundreds of people in the pub on a Saturday night to watch qualifying, which was weird in Australia because we never got qualifying. And then the live race on Sunday as opposed to the delayed Channel 9 or Channel 10 version that we, we got there for a time. But, no, I never got an invite to uh, Leader Lambden's Palace of uh, Formula One viewing, unfortunately. During your, that was during one of your many exiles from the motorsport news world. <laughs> Probably, that I'm guessing. What about this? What about this title fight, mate? Like they, um, it looked for all money early in the weekend at Austin there for the USGP that that Mercedes had the upper hand. But geez, come race day, well, come qualifying and race day, Max was just so quick. It's great, isn't it? It's given Formula One this new edge now that Red Bull have been capable of fighting with the Mercs. Or the Merc, because really there's only one to beat at the moment. Yeah, uh, we're, we're seeing the new um, Senna Prost rivalry, aren't we? We're seeing the next chapter being written right before our eyes of the the classic Formula One head to head rivalries between these two. And tell all the bits, hasn't it? I mean, each have mm. done their fair share of winning. They've collided a couple of times. There's been some curt comments in the press. It's got all the ingredients that you need for a classic it's so Formula good. One rivalry. And Geez, Austin turned it on, didn't it? What an amazing um, – uh, it's really interesting. All these people saying, oh, this is because of Netflix and Drive to Survive, and uh, I think that's, there's a part of that. But the other thing you've got to look at too, the digital growth of Formula One is off the charts in the last couple of years when, you know, that sport, you know, Bernie was lock and key on everything. Don't let it out. Don't put it anywhere. Don't yeah. show any vision. Don't do mm-hmm. a thing. Now you let it out far and wide and the, the way of the digital world takes things to all corners. So – Really, really amazing, really impressive, and 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 normally I'm trying to sit up and watch a Grand Prix of a night time at crazy hours. Five laps in, eyes are going gone. But this year, you just don't know what you're going to get between those you two. Gotta and we saw it again. It. Yeah, you, you got, got to keep, keep watching, watching it. it. I reckon, and that big crowd in 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 Austin. Yes, Netflix. Yes, digital growth. But you know what? You really can't beat just good motor racing. People rocking up not knowing who's going to win, you know. they got a rough idea. It's going to be one of these two blokes, and then they go and stick it on the front row and then have a really, really good race where a guy won it on sheer outright pace. Brilliant. That's what brings people through the gates. Can't beat it. The IndyCar world, speaking well, a bit of Formula 1 IndyCar crossover here, Nico Hulkenberg had his first taste of a bit of Indy hardware the rookie test at Barber Motorsport Park. He was slowest of the five or six drivers taking part in the test, but he seemed to impress that that McLaren uh, SP team uh, a lot. He was about a, a second off the pace, I think, which given the fact he's never driven one of these things, pretty impressive. You know, I, I feel like Romain Grosjean's actually bought a lot to, to IndyCar since he joined. Do you think having someone like Hulk on the grid could do the same? Won't hurt one little bit. IndyCar's thriving, isn't it? I mean, growing mm. car counts, you're seeing – Drivers coming from mid-pack Formula One teams who wake up one day and go, 
why do I want to fight for 10th and 12th every weekend when I can go and drive cool cars and, you know, be a potential race winner no matter who I'm kind of driving for? Uh, really interesting time. We've seen the change of the guard in the IndyCar stuff this year with Polo winning the championship and Colton Herter winning a fair bit. And um, But, yeah, the Grosjean factor has been awesome. And, and Hulkenberg, you add him in if, if he picks up that third seat at Arrow SP McLaren, a name that the world knows from his time in Formula 1 and A1 Grand Prix and all the other stuff he's done just another feather in the cap of what's going on in, in the IndyCar series. It's it's kicking goals. It's kicking really good goals. And um, when you start attracting that level of talent who see it as a place to not go because they have to, because there's nothing else going on, when it's their decision to do that, that's always a good sign that things are in a good place. So I'd love to see him in, in, in IndyCar because that's, a, that's another feather in their cap for bringing someone in who could do other things but decides not to and goes and plays in that sandpit. So... Really good stuff with IndyCar and where they're at and, and what's going on. Really impressive. Yeah, it's it's interesting you talk about, you know, guys driving sort of midfield F1 cars and getting sick of that. Then every time, you know, there's been the talk of this Andretti buy into Formula One, someone like like Colton Herder starts doing well in IndyCar and there's talk about, oh, could he go to Formula One? You have to think, do you really want to? Do you really want to go and drive an Alfa Romeo and and sort of how quick do you get, you know, it'd be cool to go to Monaco and Monza and a few of these places, but how quickly do you get sick when you're used to winning races of just sort of flogging around at the back of the grid, beating your head against the wall, you know? So it's kind of, uh, yeah, it's an interesting one. You sort of go, hmm, would you would you want to? Maybe go have a chat with Roman or go and have a chat with Nico and go, uh, hey, boys, what do you reckon about this? Because they might not necessarily have the nicest things to say. Yeah, uh, race drivers are competitive beasts and, a race is a race, and if you can win the race, that's the thing that's driving them all. So who, who it's in front of and what cars they're in, uh, sometimes that fades into the, the background. But, uh, yeah, once a racer, always a racer, isn't it? All right, it's time to name your Castrol Star of the Week. Noons, who have you got, my man? Well, I've done a lot of research in this for Ep1, our collector's edition of the Castrol Motorsport News podcast, mm-hmm. and I feel it's mm-hmm. a guy who no longer drives. I think that's important to, to state from the start. He didn't race on the weekend at all. Um, Martin Brundle is my star of the week. Did you see <laughs> the on-the-grid interviews that he was wheeling out? The first grid walk that they've been able to do in Formula 1 on TV for some time through the COVID scenario. I don't even know who the rapper was that he tried to speak to, but the classic <laughs> line of getting brushed by one of the entourage members of saying, you can't, what was it? you can't do that, you can't say that, and Martin just turns around and goes, well, I can because I just did. Brilliant. Best bit of TV of motorsport I saw all weekend. What do you think about – so he's sort of come out and said, you know, because at the end of the day there's been so many Formula 1 fans that are like, oh, who cares about her? She's not a celebrity. Like she's a massive celebrity. I don't know much about her music or whatever, but if you look at social followings and stuff, obviously – absolute megastar important for f1 to be seen to be mingling with those people but i think i think martin made a fairly um good point on social media when he said like a like a little bit of respect from minders and entourages and stuff when it comes to those people being on the grid you're a guest of formula one i guess like taking 30 seconds to have a chat about it should kind of be part of the deal right yeah i think you can always gauge the um the style of people by how many people are in their entourage or if they have an entourage to begin with. But Ben Stiller was a good example. Apparently he'd said, or they people involved had said he wasn't going to do media for the weekend. He was just there to enjoy the racing, but took the time to have a chat on the grid. And um, I think we need to see Shaq present more trophies as well um, mm. in future because that was cool. So that proves star power. And that's one of the things that events need is star power that gets other people talking. And look at all the mileage that's come out of this week 
not just about the race and how great it was and the crowd and Lewis and Max and all the stuff going on the track, but how much it's spun out for the last few days of this whole Martin Brundle grid walk. It's taken Formula One into more places than it's been um, normally off the back of a race. So uh, if they're yeah. talking about it, it's a good thing no matter what the thing was that happened at the time. So, yeah, he's my star of the week. Have you, have you picked someone? Oh yeah, I'll pick some. I'm gonna go with that. I'm gonna go with Nick Perkett. I just have to. I just love the fact that he's going back. I just love everything about the dynamic. For all those reasons that you mentioned about his sort of prickly past with Walkinshaw, to the fact that, you know, Mostert went there to make his team and now suddenly Nick Perkett's coming in to potentially try and throw a bit of furniture around. Um, I just like everything about it. You know, I like a bit of drama. I'm somebody who likes some drama noons, and I can just <laughs> this has drama written all over it, and I just love it. So Perkat, Perdog, good on you, mate. Good on you for taking the tough road and uh, and doing something that's potentially going to get pretty spicy. So uh, yeah, that's uh, he's my star of the week. All right, last thing from me: quick tips this weekend, noons. Who's going to set the pace across the first of our four consecutive four? I still can't believe four consecutive <laughs> weekends at Sydney Motorsport Park. I can't go past the guy that's P1 in the championship. SMP's not been a mega, mega, mega good hunting ground for Triple Eight in the last few years. It's been solid, but in the last little while, it hasn't been that flash. But I think he's just, you know, he's the class of the field. I don't think that gap in the calendar is going to have changed any of that along the way. But given the form that we saw last year, Percat, your mate, your uh, your brave mm-hmm. mate who is going into battle next year against Chazzy Boy, um, BJR, good cars at that place. And it might be the rounds yep. where they mix up the tyres a bit that we see them float up to the to the surface a little bit yep. more. But, mate, to be honest, just want to see some car racing back. I want to see the industry rolling again and being able to talk about what's going on a track rather than who signed where for next year and all the other peripheral stuff. Let's get some some noise going and gears pulled and crompo back in the commentary box and all that sort of stuff and we can uh, have some racing to talk about, which would be nice for a change too. Mate, you'll be able to see my FOMO from Melbourne, come from, from all the way from Perth. You'll be able to; it'll be beaming into the air. I'm, I am really. This is like sort of we're, we're at travel day now as well, and I am uh, my legs twitching. I'm struggling sitting here, but anyway, we'll just get through this year, and next year we're going to go racing lots, and we're going to have a really normal year. I'm touching wood, and I've got everything crossed that we're going to have normal year. We said that this time twelve months ago, but next year it's going to be the year, mate. It's gonna be it's gonna be great. Look, thanks for uh, thanks for popping in for a chat today, Noons, and helping explain what we're trying to do with this pod. Thanks everyone out there for listening. I hope you really enjoyed it. We'll be back uh, next week with some more uh, Castrol Motorsport news. Every lap in under a minute means every second matters. Bosch Power Tools Perth Super Sprint, May 17 to 19. Book now at Tick Attack. Supercars, unforgettable. Hey, it's Chaz Mostert here, and yes, I'm inside your speaker. I'm in here because I have a special message for you from Clayton in Melbourne. If you're a club, state, or national racer on the circuit or on the dirt in Speedway or rallying, you can now tap into the know-how of Walkinshaw Racing Services, and you don't need a supercar to get in the door. The same expertise that's won multiple Bathurst 1000s and V8 Supercar Championships is now available for you to call upon. From bonnet to bumper, WRS can help you with engines, design, paint, machining, fabrication, and so much more for all sorts of makes, models, and categories. Have a chat with Walkinshaw Racing Services and tell them what matters to you. 
Call now on 1300 W Racing or email services at walkinshawracing.com.au.